A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right, here we go. Michael Ackerbauer, you're a PhD and you're in our podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. Michael, we've, um, we've never met in person. Uh, no, we haven't. I... Yet. Yet. And this may happen someday soon. I met you on a, on a weight room. Mm -hmm. where you were having a conversation with uh, Mariano uh, Suarez-Batan from Mural, uh, the founder and, and CEO of Mural. Um, and you've done a lot of work with Mural and IBM at the time. Um, I have. That's how we connected at first. Yes, yes. And I was enjoying your conversation first, and yours, yours was one of them that I thought, I really should say hello. I should tell Mariano I'm here. And, and it was, it was, it's been wonderful to see their success and their growth. And, and and to know that I, I got to be part of that with them was was a really thrilling season for yeah. me yeah how did that how did that um, collaboration start we can we can talk about this a little bit later also after I introduce yeah. you but I'm, I'm so curious because that's that's how we met right and it's kind of like right. a vectorized um, conversation almost you know where we both knew Mariano we both worked with mural from right. the early days on and then you know you end up having common interests but how did that conversation start between you and and and, and mural at the time so i believe mariano bumped into phil gilbert former head of design for ibm in 2013 at south by southwest and design started using mural or engaging with with the company and then i was part of cio innovations in 2014 2015 we shifted to we're not going to make our own technology anymore for collaboration. We're going to license the best of breed. Let's open the walled garden. The cloud is secure enough. And Mural was our first, I believe, engagement or our partner to, to work with. And so my team went from creating things from scratch to let's enable this internally. How do we do that? So I, I tell a story with people who've been around long enough. I'll say I was one of the founding members of Project Whitewater. I'm the guy who got you access to GitHub, Mural, and Slack before you, we had an enterprise license, and you're welcome, because there were about 200 licenses to play with. So I was the one, I was the gatekeeper. Yeah. And so I was working directly with, with their former CTO, Pato, and his team, and, and Mariano a bit, it was in there, but we were working on how do you make this accessible to a large company like IBM, and then how do you scale it? I, because I have IBM been, has, let's say, in, in those days, how many employees did IBM have back then? It varies from 350 to 400 plus thousand people, depending on the yeah. week or the quarter. Yeah. So hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And, and then my team was the one that, that helped build the prototype for how do you um, entitle teams to the app or, or, or to all of the apps. Yeah. And, and then that went into evangelizing Mural and Slack and GitHub to the Agile community inside IBM. That's, um, 
uh, that's quite a responsibility, but also super cool to see how that evolves, right? So. Um, if people look at your at your profile on, on LinkedIn, because you know I'm, I'm just reading it out loud because they will find the link at the bottom of this uh, podcast. Sure. Uh, you're you say you're a cognitive Sherpa, an agile coach, a transformation yeah. junkie. Yes. And you help teams thrive in complex and uncertainty. And you also have yes. a podcast called The Process Beyond.com. Yes. Um, and then in your role as the the whole team intrapreneur at the IBM Agile Academy for IBM. You've had the whole the whole slew of different roles um, at IBM over these uh, over these years, uh, twenty three yeah. years. Um, that's a huge company transformation, and seeing it up close must be an exciting proposition. It is, and sometimes it's hard to know what's happening. It's it's a forest and trees kind of thing when you step back and look at it, as I am doing now, and thinking, I, I have been in a, a lot of transitional cultural technological touch points within IBM from systems group to CIO to now in HR. Um, quite an interesting ride and, and hard to now quantify it when you look back. It's, wow, we did a lot of cool things, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Still are. How, how the change is so much more apparent when you look back. Right, right. Yeah. I was just reminiscing with a, with a colleague this morning about um, how, with a slight chuckle, how Meta is rolling out a virtual reality, and I was saying we we pioneered the space 15 years ago. I'm I'm quoted in 2006 or 2007 talking about why can't we have meetings outdoors? Why can't we do it up in the air or under underwater? And it, it, I'd actually be embarrassed to to have you read it now, but at the time it was just so novel that it was it was almost um, what's the word naive. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's those it's those naive statements at first yeah that make the genius at last right so i think yeah. uh, um uh, art is where it starts is something that we actually yesterday came up with in the conversation i had with someone is you know it's it, it it might seem like something that's very far and outrageously crazy uh yet um like you're saying you know, 2006 2007 that was a radical idea maybe even within well, a company like ipm right and now that we've been cooped up for two years, we're recording this on the 28th of April, 2022, just for posterity's sake. We never know, Michael, how long the cloud will survive or right. audio might, <laughs> what's might the shelf up, life. Yeah. Might end up on another planet. Who knows, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And we're on the planet Earth when you know everything was still green. And um, um, <laughs> uh, But um, on that note, <laughs> Michael, I'd like to ask you the following question. Right, because this is the first line that's in our book, and it says, "A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever." Yeah. Would you leave it to chance? Yeah, I I have too many times, and and now I'm having them with a little more intent this last month or so. Okay. And and yet every conversation I have that was by chance, I tend to find there's some serendipity moment in it. For instance, I I spoke at length with a fellow IBMer a couple of days ago. And we just, we discovered that we were both what we're calling neo-generalists. And I'm, I'm using that term from this book yeah. by, um, let's see if I can get my focus to work. No. Okay. No. There we go. Neo-generalists. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mickelson and Martin. And, and I just thought I need to look at this again because that, that really describes my career in, in, in a nice little package that, oh, what is that? It means I'm very skilled at a very, at a wide range of things. Mm -hmm. And, and we didn't know that about each other when we were kind of interacting in a tangential way in IBM. And so it was serendipity, but it was also by, and, and though by chance with a little focus, 
it, it yielded some really wonderful outcomes already. I think that's uh, when you find those soulmates in your company or the people that are like you, right? It gives a sense of belonging. Um, yes. And um, the fact that you had that conversation wasn't probably by chance, but the fact that you discovered right. it might have been something that happened by chance, right? So, right, right. Um, I also liked how you said in your intro, you know, <clears throat> where at an event like South by Southwest, uh, you know, Phil Gilbert and Mariana run into each other and, you know, in 2015 start talking about things. So that was probably not a planned encounter either, but look at how that kind of impacted uh, right. both, you know, uh, from a case study in HBR about how MBM, IBM scales something like this within an organization of that size and scope, yeah. what it means for an organization where, like you, you know, I was describing with Mariano, you know, we saw, we visited their offices, I think it was in probably the same, same time, 2014, 15, mm. uh, in Buenos Aires, you know, in a very small table setting, and we were using foam boards to design uh, and talk about the things with the Internet Society about how you could design using mental models and then those mental models made it onto mural and they became the platform that we scaled on how people design in a geographically dispersed version so i'm very excited by the fact that you know you've our, our worlds have always gone run like parallel worlds in in very different spaces but uh, with similar similar ob open walled approaches where you want others to get involved in what you do right and i think uh, uh, I, I find that terribly exciting because then, you know, who would have known that Waitroom would have existed in 2022, right? That that was like probably one of the f first earlier, you know, tests. Um, I felt Mariana's awkwardness because I had done a session on Waitroom a week before and nobody showed up right. because I also hadn't marketed it. And, um, right. you know, I was technically just testing what this frame and format does. Yeah. And it feels very awkward to just sit there and wait for the first guest to jump in. So I, I can't imagine. To, so I decided to join his session and, and break that mold of jumping in first, which seems right. to be a big hurdle. Right. Um, and then it's easier for, for them to carry on, knowing how the two stakeholders have a very different feeling when they're in that same event. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I felt for him. And then by the time I said, okay, I'll be brave and courageous and I'll jump in here, then there was almost no time. <laughs> it was yeah. it was grateful he said he I, a it was grateful he remembered me he's you know he's you know very successful now and 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 he went oh I got to talk to Mike okay good well that's cool so I think I'm on the other end of it Rude yeah. is that um, when I was younger I would be more likely to take a risk like that and say let me be first yeah. and now I have to govern being first now I'm should I should I say something so it's it's maybe it's the back to the chance question it's stepping across that threshold of fear, uncertainty, and doubt and saying, why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why can't something good come from it? Oh, oh sure, I could be embarrassed, but it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. And and um, I think that's also what new experiences do to us, right? If you don't take mm -hmm. that risk, you won't know, right? But right. not taking the risk also means that you won't have the experience. Right. Or you'll have right. the regret of not not having that the experience, right? And um, my brother likes to say it's better to regret the things in life that you have done than the ones that you haven't done, right? So yes, yes. And, and, <laughs> it's probably not and, his invention, but I, I I quote him for it anyway because it sticks when your brother says stuff to you, right? It does, and and as they say, no one no one on their deathbed says I wish I had spent more time in the office. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yet the design of time is one of the core things that keeps us busy, right? Yeah. 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 
people listening to this podcast, just so you know, we're now in the onstage part. There's also going to be a backstage conversation we're going to be having that's completely unscripted. Um, but the next question I'm going to uh, fire at you, Mike, is this question, uh, which uh, is, a, is a, it, it's a little broad because it is, um, uh, you know, what's currently on your horizon of change? Well, that's a loaded question this week because I am in a, a transition of sorts in, in my job. And so I am looking for some new avenues, uh, new challenges, and I do not want to leave them to chance. And so the question really hits home today that I want to be very intentional about uh, where, where are those challenges? What, what does someone like me bring to the table for um, any kind of organization? Hmm. And, and so what I'm in the midst of right now is not so much redesigning, redesigning myself, but re redefining myself. What does it mean to be a whole team entrepreneur and cognitive Sherpa that translates to organizational transformation consultant, but doesn't box one's role, someone box myself into a role that, that wasn't really what I meant, but that sounds closest to where I think I live on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and um, how, do you, how do you define a um, a social network hub, which I used to be one of the hubs of a number of different um, social networks internally. Mm -hmm. How do I how do I do that externally more? Because I've been inside the IBM Walled Garden for so long. How do I get to know people like you? Mm -hmm. And that 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 was serendipitous. That was by chance yeah. that I happened to know about Mariana's event, and then yeah. we talked. Yeah. And okay, well, how do I make those things more part of who I am now than just oh, it happened, and wasn't it wonderful? Yeah. Why, why wait for the chance? Yeah. So I'm in that process of becoming more intentional about what it is I offer and, and, and how to make that accessible. And I think that's, that's um, I mean, in listening to, you know, the, the, the five minutes you and Mariano spoke, and then I checked out your podcast because, uh, and I recommend for others to do the same thing. You have conversations between, you know, Guy and yourself um, on topics that I care about and that probably, you know, listeners to this podcast will probably also care about. And I think this is a very interesting way of getting to know the thought process of people through audio only. Right. And yeah. I think there's, there's a strong kind of a sensation where, you know, you being in, in Poughkeepsie in uh, upstate New York, I'm here in Basel in Switzerland, you know, we might be six hours in time zone apart, you know, and the sun is about to set here and it's rising on your side of the planet. But, um, we can now connect even without having met. Um, right. um, and that in itself, I think is such a fascinating opportunity. If you can then also allow yourself to collaborate or create motive to use and apply the skills you have mm -hmm. uh, with tools like we spoke about, like Mural or Zoom, which we're using to record what we have right now. Um, uh, and we have a mapped out version of how the design of this podcast actually looks. If people are interested mm -hmm. in that. You can find that template on Mural or we'll share the link if you like. But um, to me, it's about creating common understanding, but also, um, you know, like what you're saying is um, sometimes by having conversations with others, you discover things you didn't know maybe about yourself or how mm -hmm. other people look at it. And I think those different perspectives are such a rich way to explore um, the neo-generalists, right? Which is a concept I'm not familiar with, but I'm now going to read more about. Also, we'll <laughs> add that link to the, to the footer notes. Uh, on that note, uh, Mike, you have a choice to make right now. All right, I'm ready. Do we carry on with the Horizons of Change conversation? Or um, would you like to spin the wheel 
and select one of the other topics of the other chapters and we can take you down that rabbit hole or it might actually end up on horizons of change if the wheel decides that that's where it lands which would you uh, prefer like well following my general history of why not let's see what happens it it, it seems leaving it to chance is most appropriate yeah. however rude i know you have this this these steps and we walk through them and this is how you talk to your guests and and i have to just counter with a question what would you like to talk about ah thank you thank you for questions um you know, people grow in the direction of the questions they ask right it's something that we keep saying when we when we have our programs and actually I'd, i would be keen to explore the horizon of change a little bit more with you because you're okay. you're a neo-generalist approach to things and having such a you know within the walled garden experience of you know over two and a half decades of, of, of doing this kind of work at this scale is something right. that completely intrigues me yeah uh, we operate at a much smaller scale and we already find it difficult right <laughs> and, and yeah. so i think you know that that shift that you're talking about i'd, I'd love mm. to explore that and you know what the chances are that if i spin the wheel it might actually end up there i'm, I'm going to spin the wheel just for the sake of argument to see why not where it ends up right why not um because that we don't know yet and the wheel actually ends up on something called processor outcome so now we've narrowed it down to two prototypes right you can go down design to change or processor yeah. outcome isn't that interesting like. yeah. as i looked at the wheel options when you showed me on the mural i went that would be fun to talk about but that would be because I'm a process nerd, yeah, process geek, yeah. So, so I'm a I'm also a big fan of both and, yeah. So, um, which one do you pick? Um, I, I, I'm curious your thoughts on on um, horizons and your your curiosity about mine, and and it's yeah. interesting because I'm, it's it's been helpful for me lately to reflect, and when I when I hear you talk about my experience at IBM. I see uh, trees and I think you see forests. So I'd, I'd love to explore your, your perspective versus mine. I love that. Let's, let's go down that. If people have the book, it's on page 46, 47. Um, so the first question we have here, uh, Mike, is um, mm. how do you involve others in the, in the change that you design for? Mm. Mm. Once upon a time and why I think innovation technology innovation and CIO was largely unsuccessful at the time is we did not engage people directly. We heard from some subject matter expert or we explored on our own. And so this may predate my role at the time. Somehow we would discover there was a gap in the technology offerings for our people internally. And then we'd say, well, there's an opportunity to fill that space with some new technology. Here's what we think we, we should provide. Mm -hmm. One of them was a social networking app. Uh, what was the original called? Um, corporate Cola, short for corporate collaboration. Okay. And we used, um, so what we, we decided was uh, we don't know how to find, we can, we can build a knowledge base and a, a, a knowledge management system in, you know, on our HR uh, platform. Mm -hmm. However, what we really don't know is where are people's networks? Where are they finding information? What is really in their head? And so we offered a pilot that you could use our um, messaging platform, same time back then, the Lotus Notes, 
And if you consent to this, it will, it will tokenize all of your correspondence in email and instant messaging with no context, just tokenize it and then toss it in a database. And then you search for it and you say, I want to find JavaScript developers in Denmark who also happen to do C++. And it would show you the networks and the strength of a conversation or the, or the nexus of, of expertise would, would differentiate itself visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, that was one of two products that went to market. It was not largely successful. But what we didn't do is actually talk to people, I think, about the rollout or how we would do it. We just made it available and made it known. Mm-hmm. Then we got feedback on what would work and what wouldn't. And what about the privacy issues and, and, and that kind of thing. Oh, wait a minute. When you say adopt, do you mean technology or a baby? Do I really want to divulge that information? Things like that. So it was kind of in reverse, I think, is what we did then. What we've come to learn over the years with design thinking is we want to make sure we're talking to the people who receive the value. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say uh, in my innovation time, we did not do that. We did that kind of on the back end of what I would refer to as a creative process uh, exploring acceptance of what we're about to produce. Hmm. And, and that would determine the, so in effect, it'd be, let's talk to some people before we deliver it or launch it, but not figure out, does that solve their problem? This is what we're selling. What do you think about it? And then use that input or feedback how to, to minimize the blast radius of the size of, or scope of the implementation. Okay. So in short, um, nowadays, I like to talk to people ahead of time. I like to include a lot of people. What's your pain point? What, what would it look like if it worked? Why isn't it working for you now? What would make it better? Not so much solutioning, but, but uh, I, I preach heavily day in the life scenarios. Hmm. Could, I, could I walk around in your shoes or could you walk me through the process you use, share your screen or let me sit next to you and let's see what's going on. Um, so it's almost like ethnographic research of actual behaviors. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And and I've I've, I've called myself a, um, an an accidental ethnographer, creativity ethnographer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like making up titles. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, I'm also not to totally go off the rails here. I'm also a certified rock balancer. That's a key title. A certified rock balancer. Maybe in the. Uh, in the, in the after party conversation, we can, we can delve into that. <laughs> we'll need to explore that further. Yeah. <laughs> it plays into all of what I do today. Uh, rude, but so I, I've, I guess I'd say I've, I've gone through an evolution of thought on, on how you engage people, but my, my mindset is always let's have a party and talk about you and won't it be fun yeah. and then figure out where we go from there. Yeah. So that begs the next question possibly. Um, how do you have that conversation with your event owner or let's say the change owner, right? The person mm. says, oh, we should, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of doing this. Yeah. How do you have that conversation when that first urge comes up? Yeah. I love your idea. I'd love to hear how you got there. Love to hear your context. Love to hear your thought process. Could you tell me more, please? Can you unpack that? That's a great idea. We should, or we could. Is it the best thing to do? Is it the only thing to do? Is it the right thing to do? Just help me catch up. So, so you're retrospecting the person on their own thought process to get to the question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and do you believe that reveals 
the truth or the truth that they care to tell you at that stage? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's probably an adult beverage conversation, really. <laughs> we can take that backstage too. That backstage too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How how when 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 the question comes up, there's a drive behind that question, right? There's an issue yeah. he has to tell you about that. Yeah. Um, um, and then, um, you know, how, how, how you enable to them to then express their vision, right? Is probably, you know, what, what you're now describing is like, you know, tell me about your thought process. How do you get to this? But do you find that that helps you to understand the question of the person better at that stage? Yes. I, I'm a person who really needs or, or thrives on context. Yeah. The more context I have, the more I can kind of help, especially if someone says, can you help me? Even if I'm in a coaching role where I'm supposed to be asking open-ended, we call them powerful questions. Mm. I tend to, to I, I have a, a capability of synthesizing all of that context and go, here's what I think I'm hearing. And here's the themes I, uh, that, that you're, you're sharing with me. How many of these resonate with you? Great. Here's some ways we could approach that. Um, I think I think the a little bit of it is intent, but all, uh, or motive. Mm -hmm. You, you kind of need to understand that too, especially when we do change initiatives or learning around agile internally. We're talking to some organizational leader, and you really want to know what are they not so much what their expectations are, but whether what's the reason they're saying we should do, for instance, a one day agile training for 400 people, but it can't be your standard one day taste of agile offering. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say, well, the most basic entry entry point to learning about agile and agile ways of working is this course or this, this thing, what are you expecting to happen? Because if we, if we do it any other bespoke way, you, you, you may not get what you're looking for. And the answer was, well, we just need to be able to say, and they didn't say this, but in so many words, we need to be able to check off this organizational initiative that everyone was quote unquote trained in agile in one day. So, well, I, I think, I think what we could do rather than bringing myself and, and another colleague in. So I guess where was the need and what was the intent and how could I help with that intent, but in a way that was tangibly demonstrably more valuable than what they were asking is kind of where we arrived. And what we arrived at is I can't do that in a nice way. I said, I can't do that because it won't work. You will not have anybody. You'll have jargon. What we can do is we can bring in two guys instead of one for two days, not one. And we can teach your core top 20 of the 400, all of this in two days and let them become the champions for the other 380 people. Yeah. How would that work? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I found a way to yes without saying we're just going to check boxes for you. There's no value in that, except to that person. So technically you're presenting two prototypes of a process mm -hmm. in order to arrive at an outcome they have in their head. Right. Um, whereby maybe the collateral damage of the outcome in their perception of time taken away from 400 people during a day might now be reduced to, you know, 20 people for two days. <laughs> so it's almost like, you're creating a new context for the future state and the outcome you describe helps them take the decision between prototype A or B of what it is you're proposing as an instructional design. Yeah. Right. And ideally, 
it becomes an even better if. Yeah, yeah. Which is an option they might not have thought about in the first place. Right. 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 So, um, if you look at that working method, right, because th this is a technique that you that you probably develop because you know what works and what doesn't work over time, right. you, you've seen the outcomes of how things you do, like, you know, doing a one day agile with one person for 400 people is not going to bring the purpose to the organizational initiative to check it off the list. Well, right. they could check it off the list, but it's, it's going to waste 400 people's time times eight hours equals X number of hours and your time right. of one times eight hours plus preparation and travel. Right. Those are kind of the semantics that you would use to decode the time spent, right? Is it right, right. time wasted, time you know well saved, time well spent, or time well invested? Right. And you presented these two options. When when you think back at these initiatives and when you've taken these conversations, um, and this is the way that you have the conversation with the event owner, and you've told us how you involve them in the change you designed for. How do those events over time become the markers of change in your organization or in their departments? Mm. Mm. It, it's still it's still in the implementation. It's still in the what will you do with it once you've learned it or experienced it. Yeah. Um, my team is almost entirely at this point focused on learning delivery. Mm -hmm. Not not nearly as much as in the past as uh, engagement with the teams. Mm -hmm. And we found that the more engaged we are over time, the more likely they can point to success in the learning and the journey than if we say, come to a class and or come to a workshop or, or let's do pre-COVID, let's do a two-day intensive with you. Yeah. If there, it, so I think the touch points are the value in, of the investment and the results that come out of it, what, the fruit that comes out of it is stronger over time, the longer my team was engaged with us, we were engaged with that client or that organization. Otherwise, it's uh, it can tend to be in a company this size, it can tend to be we, yes, we are agile, we took a course and we checked a box. And, you know, in a very real sense, and I don't mean this in a cynical way, it, it that was all they needed. So, the, so I, I guess I'm saying, the degree to which the organization is willing to change and invest in the change, the more value they're going to see mm. with or without us involved. But typically that, that looks like our continuing presence in, in an in a ongoing engagement. Um, as you were talking about that, it made me think of what I once heard Phil Gilbert say, you know, a little bit earlier on uh, back in 2013 or 14 or 15, somewhere there, I, I forget the exact date, but um, taking design as a core culture in a company, you know, now almost 10 years ago and, and seeing how that, you know, changed or, you know, coming from, uh, from an engineering type environment to a design thinking type environment. That's, that's a lot of people to, to, to change with 380,000 people on, you know, <laughs> yes. in the organization. Yes. The yeah. one thing that really stuck to me back in the wording and how he, he used, he, he spoke about that was. You know, culture is the behavior over time and that the artifacts created by a group of people um, and the amount by which the group embraces the artifacts over time becomes this culture quotient, right? So it actually defines kind of how you, um, you know, artifacts are the people and the practices and the places. And then the artifacts are almost like when you look back, you can see the artifacts like in a museum, right? Yeah, yeah. 
and 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 I and I hear you. You know, that's the language uh, uh, that I hear you use as well. Where um, I find that fascinating because one of the things we're trying to do is to let's say enable people to use the language of design or the language right. of event design right. to have different types of conversations about you know process and outcome. But especially when you talk about horizons of change. Like you don't see what's beyond this horizon, but you can look back at the past horizons, right? Right, right. Through the memory of those that perceived it. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I think there's a lot to be gained and and not a lot of effort in in organizational culture to look back and say what have we accomplished, where have we come from, how have we grown through those horizons, how have we, what have we learned from those horizons and yeah. and, and traversing them. Yeah, because. You may have passed them now, right? Yeah. And you were one of the first enterprise scale, you know, companies to challenge murals to say to to bring this on. I remember Mariana saying that as well. And yeah. then many followed now, right? Uh, by need or by necessity or by by followership, right? Because they right. weren't the ones that did this first. But they also didn't have to pay the price of the innovation, right? Right. Um, they they might have learned from the things you've experienced. Um, now, if you if you think about those conversations that you have with those kinds of leaders, how yeah. do you enable them to express their vision, right, beyond the initial question of, can you deliver a one day agile training for 400 people? Right? Yeah. So how, how do you dig to get to the vision behind it instead of saying, we just need to check off this organizational initiative and, you know, it's, right. it's part of my my key deliverables for this year to get my appraisal done properly as the leader of that team. But how, how do you push to get beyond that and, and get them to express their vision? So we're doing this engagement with um, some of the top new leaders or, or first line level leaders in the company. Hmm. And, and um, We've done a couple of these with different groups of, of uh, new executives or, or first line leaders or not quite senior leadership upline mm -hmm. leaders. And what we really want is, is we want to invest in them as ambassadors of leadership to really embody these new ways of working or new ways of thinking, new ways of approaching things. And, and, and we take, you know, some of the current research and some of the current um, trending business value orientation and kind of make them our own and and so they said we want to bring you in and kind of help these this cohort go through this journey and and so we asked a lot of questions about well what do you want them to come away with from this experience mm -hmm. i'd worked with this group in the past um, back in the technology side of it with, with whitewater um, now it's can you help them incorporate some new ways of new leadership skills and so I just asked questions around that thought process that's, that eventually it was, uh, we don't want to just bring them in and have them be um, elevated to a platform of ambassadorship without giving them something back or investing into them that, that, that lends itself to, I wouldn't reduce it to design and agile sorts of concepts, but really with our new initiative around let's create. So where does where does that? I wish I could remember the exact question. It was really about outcome versus output, mm -hmm. or 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 accomplishment versus intent. No. The, the 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 all the questions are 
nicely framed, nicely phrased why prompts. Why does this matter? Why is this important? What do you hope to get out of it? Talk to me about what you'll you'll be able to say as a leadership, as the leader or the 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 one running this event and and uh, being the program manager for this. What is it you want to be able to say about it to your leaders that will make them proud and say we really made a difference in IBM leadership? I like that a lot, Mike, because what you're what you're articulating by asking that question, right? Tell me what you'll be able to say to your leaders or to to the team about it. Mm-hmm. It's really you're asking them to think about their future behavior as a right. result. And when when the output has been delivered and the outcome can be expected, now you're asking them to imagine that future state, right? Right. Right. But themselves in that future state and what comes in their speech bubble. Right. 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 And funnily enough, that's that's really at the core of, of how events create value, which is that behavior change, right? Because your event right. of delivering a training and them thinking of them as, as, as one stakeholder, what do I want to get out of that, right? right. How do, what will right. I say if it's successful? And you're really getting them to introspect and articulate to you what right. the team could empathize with or validate versus their own thinking, right? Right, right. And they probably and really- have a much harder time if you would ask them the question, I'm just wondering about that now. Yeah, because you're, you're connecting now. You're connecting their vision to the event they have in their head, right? Yes, but it's yes. only one of the stakeholders, right? What you know? What would their skill set be, or how accurate would their answer be if they would have to think about all those other people? Let's say the 400 people going through the one day, or the 20 people going through the two day with two trainers, right? And um, how? You know, would you ask them to articulate what, what's in it for them, right? For those mm. 400 people or for those 20 people for two days. Right. Um, and how accurate would the answer be that the event owner would give you versus what a team of people could come up with and create as a narrative for the, for the actual event owner to validate and say, wow, you know, that's much closer to the truth from their perspective than what right. I wanted to get out of it. Right, right. In both cases, I think what we're talking about is helping make our assumptions explicit to one another. Yeah. And and the more we do that, the more clarifying the conversation is about all of the hopes and dreams and fears and wants and desires and and motivations. Uh, uh, that's where we start to get to what the real the real driving force is, the impetus is behind whatever it is we're going to do together. And, and I, I love those conversations for that very reason is, is there's, there's an aha moment begging to come out that is not by chance yeah. because we really pushed for let, let's talk about meaning. Let's talk about value and let's talk about it, making, being, uh, making your organization better, making your team better, not just making you look good, which I'm not saying is the motivation, but Otherwise, I'm assuming things about what you want. And you're assuming things. You assume I know what you want. Yeah. And then we're, we're doomed to some sort of disconnect when we try to open to launch or, or implement. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing you want to avoid most. Yeah. Because in this case, you would have you know, those three stakeholders. There's the event owner. There's you as the agile trainer or the one that needs to bring it to the group. And you have the group, right? The group right. that whose behavior you're trying to change in the desired direction of change. Right. Um, right. So... How, how do you typically within IBM then articulate the value that it creates? 
how do you like do you have a, like a is there a way that you articulate that value or how do you do that it would all it would all come down to some form of value creation it's it's a combination of we want to my my where's where my certified rock balancer role comes into play here is what we're trying to do is find the right balance for your team or your organization between doing the right work and doing the work right so you're balancing efficiencies against effectiveness and shared understanding of what we're trying to accomplish and how we will accomplish it is a moving target so the more intentional we are and the more explicit and deliberate we are about our expectations and our goals, the more likely we can, we can find a balance sooner or we can produce things of value sooner in smaller sizes or increments so that we can close feedback loops more regularly. So a big word that I use with leaders is predictability and two words predictability versus risk not versus i'm sorry when you're when we're talking polarities you have to manage them not up, set them apart from each other as, a, as though they were opposed mm -hmm. what is that what is that wonderful just right tension for mm -hmm. that context of predictability and risk yeah. and, and there is no growth without risk and and as as our former ceo jenny rometty always like to say growth and comfort do not coexist so how do we how do we manage those polarities of growth and comfort that's probably the essence of of what we what we talk about in those moments i like that and if people want to hear more about the certified rock balancer which you've now teased us with a couple of times i'm gonna to have to point them towards the backstage conversation we'll have in a moment because uh, you are you are you are really um well if it helps i wrote an article about it if you look me up on linkedin I did write up. There's a post in my featured section. Exactly, exactly, and and the LinkedIn profile you'll find in the comments. But, yes. Um, with being a certified rock bouncer, you mentioned sooner, which is a quantifier quantifier of time, right? Which right. is, um, if people Where's want some results quicker or yeah. sooner, um, sooner, sooner, safer, happier. Book I just picked up. I haven't read yet, but sooner, safer, happier. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good metrics, I think. Yeah. Yeah, which could almost be like, uh, you know, choose any two, right? <laughs> right. Well, when I was in consulting and technology, we would always jokingly say to the client, cheap, fast, and good, pick two, please. Could you repeat that? Cheap, fast, and good. Yeah. You can pick two. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if the same applies to sooner, safer, happier. <laughs> I, I think the argument they're making there is that you can have all three. You can have your cake and eat it too, proverbially. Proverbially. But the idea is, yeah, what what do I want? I, I want my mantra for teams is we want to help you get better at your, at your capability of throughput. Hmm. Become more consistent in what you do so you can be more confident in what you can or cannot produce by when. How much can you do by when? So that you you can push back on unreasonable demands of your time. Yeah. And really all I'm saying is make yourselves the more predictable you are in what you do, the less risk is is involved and managers abhor risk. Yes, so which, the, which accumulates more strongly over time, right? Yeah. Right, right. More risk proof equals more trust or at least less oversight and micromanaging. 
those are some powerful lessons. And doing that at scale, I think, really does matter, right? Because it, it is a quantifiable thing of, of time, right? Which is that sooner, yeah. the safer, yeah. which is probably the question of, you know, do you bag the risk and, and, and do, you, do you pile it on? Which if you do that at scale, it becomes a real problem. Right. And, and this and idea of if people have unreasonable demands, it, it becomes stressful. Right? It, it yes. becomes hard to defend or you, you're forced to commit to something you know you can't really do. And that is a bad omen for um, for managing kind of this, this, this whole sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. if it's not done within the time frame, it still feels like a failure, right? Even if right. the outcome is good. Yeah. Right. right. Powerful stuff here. And I can imagine how that scales. Um, and I'm also keen to um, explore... Um, this further in the backstage conversation. Uh, Michael, okay. you, you have a very deliberate um, horizon of change. Would you be willing um, to accept our offer that a year from today, about a year from today, uh, mm -hmm. we set a little marker in the agenda mm -hmm. and we have uh, this conversation again. And before that conversation, we'll be sure to both listen to what we said today, right on the 28th of April, 2022. Because right. um, then we could reflect back on you know, where we were here and where we are then there. Does that yes. sound like a plan? I, I, I was honored by your request to be here today. I would be honored and thrilled to come back in a year. Awesome. Well, we're going to do that. And for those that are listening, make sure that you join us in the backstage area uh, because we will be um, um, uh, talking about um, this, you know, um, certified rock balancer thing amongst other things, but also a lot of other interesting uh, concepts that I have no idea because I'm going to leave that to chance, Mike. Um, okay. But, but uh, thanks for the onstage conversation for now. And uh, I'll meet you in a moment backstage. Thank you very much. I hope there's dark beer or dark chocolate there. Maybe both. <laughs> this has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.